Well, what's up? We're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, this morning, we are going to wrap up our series in the book of James, okay? It's, uh, we've been doing this for the last nine weeks. Pretty crazy. It's been a long time. It's probably what's the longest series I think we've ever done here in Tiffin, that's for sure. But uh, have you guys enjoyed it so far? It's, or so far, I guess, it's at the end. But, uh, but it's, um, I love the book of James. It's only three pages in your Bible, so it's not very long. Super quick, but it's just packed full with extremely practical stuff. I mean, and, and what I like about it is James, he's not like a super gentle guy where he's like, oh, I care about your feelings. I hope you don't cry. You know, it's going to be okay. It's not who James is. All right, James, he slaps you in the face with truth. He doesn't care. And uh, in, in one sentence, he'll call you brothers. And then in the ne next sentence, he'll call you adulterers. And, and in one sentence, he tells us how much he loves us. And then he calls us senseless people or basically idiots. You know, he's like, come on, guys. Um, and one of the things that I like the most about James, and I've mentioned this several of the weeks, is that James was the half, the little half-brother of Jesus. And during Jesus' ministry, uh, James didn't buy into all that Jesus had to say. He didn't think Jesus was God. He didn't think Jesus was the savior of the world. In fact, he thought Jesus was crazy. And he went even further than that. He was telling people, hey, don't listen to this guy. He's crazy. He thinks he's the Messiah. I mean, this, my brother's nuts. See, it wasn't until the resurrection happened where Jesus died. And then he raises again back on, you know, from the dead on, on that first Easter Sunday that, uh, that, that James finally believes. And, and Jesus actually goes and appears to his younger brother James. He's like, hey. Here I am, you know. I wish I could have seen that because that would have been such an interesting conversation, I feel like, to, to watch. But, uh, but James, I mean, here's this guy. If you think about it, he was really resistant to Jesus and in a matter of months had changed so much that he's now the, the, one of the main pastors of the, of the church in, in Jerusalem, one of the main leaders of the church. I mean, it's just crazy how much this guy has changed. And, uh, and really, that's his overall message. His, his overall message is, hey, within this letter, it's, hey, when you begin a relationship with Jesus, which, by the way, not, I'm, you know, we know that not everybody in this room has. And if you haven't, I just want to say, hey, you should consider doing that like today, okay? Here's Jesus' brother. What would it take for your own brother or sister to, to you know, convince you that they're God? I'm assuming a lot, right? <laughs> a lot especially for me, you know. But, uh, but here you got James, he believes. It took him a while, but he got there. Okay, that's, a, that's an interesting, you know, that's just an interesting thing that you should keep in the back of your mind. You should really, really strongly consider making Jesus a part of your life. Not everybody in here has done that. But those of us who have, James's message is, hey, when you begin a relationship with God, it changes all parts of your life. It does. Not saying you become perfect instantly, that definitely doesn't happen. But there's all parts of our life start to get, God starts to work on it and it starts to change. And that's what we've been talking about for the last nine weeks. I mean, he, think about it. It changes how we go through trials. It changes how we go through difficult times. It changes how we view wisdom. It changes how we handle temptation in our life. It changes the way we act. It changes how we care for people. It changes what we do. It changes how we talk. It changes how we deal with pride. It changes our plan for the future. It changes the way we wait. I mean, in this morning, we're going to look at how James wraps up this letter and his main idea is, hey, when we begin a relationship with Jesus, it changes how we pray. All right, now prayer is one of those subjects that for me personally, let me just get real with you, um, is kind of tough because I, I don't feel like I'm a good prayer. 
You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm not going, man, I'm an expert on this. I can't wait to teach people about this. No, I feel like a total hypocrite standing up here talking about praying. And, uh, but this, this is just how it is. If you're like me, you don't feel like you're good at praying either. I'm assuming there's a lot of us in this room, if not all of us, that aren't like, hey, you know, I'm really good at that. Um, I've never met anybody uh, who says, you know what, this is, you know, I really excel. Like, I'm too good. I'm, I'm too good at praying. You know, we hear people who talk about uh, good things, or let's say like a job interview, okay? I've never seen, you know, you see stuff where it's like your strengths, and, and it's like, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a good team player, I, I'm, a, I'm a hard worker, I get here on time, you know, I'm good at this hobby, or I'm good at this talent, or whatever it might be. I've never seen on a job application, and I work for a church, like, I'm really good at praying, Okay, like this is not something that anybody says, right? That's not something that anybody talks about. I've never heard anybody say, hey, my problem personally is I just pray too much. Like I spend too much time praying. I wish I didn't. You know, I've never heard that before. I really need to cut down on my prayer life. That would really help me out a lot. People don't think that way. Like I don't think any of us excel at praying. And maybe, just think about this, maybe James knows that. Maybe that's why James saves us for the end of his letter. You know, I don't know. But uh, we're going to jump in here today. And today is going to be a little bit difficult. Let me just throw that out there. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff, and, and some of it's super theological. But, uh, but I also just want to give kind of a disclaimer. Um, it's always my worry that somebody's out there going, wait, you got your Bible, you're like, wait, he skipped this verse. What's he trying to hide here? You know, he's trying to hide something. I'm not trying to hide anything uh, as we go through what we're going to be going through today. Uh, we're not going to go through every verse in chapter 5. We're just not, we, I don't, trying to condense everything into 35 minutes, and that's hard. So uh, James, he talks about some other things in chapter 5 that I think are very, very, very good for us to know. He talks about how putting our trust in wealth and how to treat others and the importance of telling the truth. Some of us, we need to hear that a little bit more. Uh, or helping those who start straying away from their relationship with God, how to pull them back in. All good stuff. And so what I want to encourage you guys to do before we get rolling this morning is Go read it yourselves, okay? Go home. Go read the Bible. The, uh, these 35 minutes on Sunday morning shouldn't be the only Bible that you get in your week, okay? Shouldn't be. And so um, go home and read the book of James again. It'll take you five minutes to read the entire book. That's my kind of book, by the way. So anyway. Um, so we're going to check out what it says in chapter, th- we're going to start in chapter 13. And it's interesting because James starts with a question. He says, hey. Is, any, is anyone among you suffering? Interesting. You guys remember who James is talking to, right? We've mentioned several weeks. Uh, James, he's, he's writing this letter to a bunch of people who are suffering. Okay, they're going through a bunch of hard times. There's, there's a bunch of issues that are going on. Uh, these people have been chased out of their homes. They've been chased, kicked out of their towns. They, a lot of them had lost everything just because they had a relationship with Jesus. Some of these people, they had lost family members. Like their, their friends and family members have been killed because they were Christians. And so it's ironic to me that James asked this question saying, hey, you know, is any of you guys, any of you guys happen to be suffering out there. And probably every single person that is reading this letter, they're just like, oh, that's me. Everybody's got their hands raised for this one. This is, I'm suffering. I got issues in my life. I got this going on in my life. And I know that even in this room, as we go through this today, I know that there's a bunch of people out there, you know, you guys, some of you guys are suffering hard too. Okay, that's a, that's a part of life. 
Um, James, he begins his book talking about suffering. He ends his book talking about suffering. Ironic how that is. And at the beginning, we looked at many, many, many weeks ago, uh, he talked about how that can actually help us grow in our relationship with God and how suffering, God uses that for his, for his good. But, uh, but here he says, hey, is any of you suffering? He says, then he should pray. Okay, uh, sounds like a good churchy answer. Is anyone cheerful? Then he should sing praises. See, notice what he's saying here. He's saying, hey, whatever is going on in your life, you should be going to God. Is your life really bad? Hey, go to God. Is your life really good? Hey, you should go to God too. See, praying is really spending time with God, and that should be a normal, frequent part of our life. Okay, it should, should, should be something that we do on a regular basis. But for most of us, I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves. I mean, it's, it's just not, right? Like, we don't pray. We don't, well, once in a while we pray, especially when something bad's going on. We got we to gotta switch something. Hey, God, can you fix this problem real quick? You know, we pray when it comes to that. But we, we, just, we just don't pray. Like, most of us, we, you know, we have these, you know, we forget. I think that's a big one. Like, you ever lay in bed at night? Actually, this happens to me all the time where I'll ask God for something. He'll give me that thing. Like, like yesterday, I, uh, I lost my phone. I couldn't find my phone. I went to, like, Lowe's twice to find my phone. I thought I left it on a shelf there, the plumbing aisle. I but it wasn't there. Anyway, and so I'm like looking for my phone, and I, I, I'm praying. I'm like, God, I wasted an hour of my day, and I got stuff I gotta, I'm trying to get done looking for my phone, and I got calls that I'm trying to make and all this type of stuff, and, uh, and eventually I found my phone because AJ called me asking about a pizza place, and I found it. It was in the cushion of my car as I was driving from Lowe's, and I could hear it, and I'm like, and I pulled over right there on the side of the road. I'm like taking my car apart, and I found it, but uh, but I didn't even thank God for that. You ever, you ever do that where you ask God for something and you realize like, for me, sometimes it's like a week later, but this was like several hours later, by the way, right after I spent all week talking about, studying about prayer, um, where I'm like, oh, I forgot to say thank you. Like we're so quick to ask. We're so slow to say, th- any of you guys ever like that? Okay, I don't even know where I'm going with that. That's not even part of my thing. But uh, but oh, we forget, right? That's, that's what happens. Um, some of us, we just, get, we just get busy. We got busy lives. We got a lot of things going on. See, to be honest, I think sometimes we, how do I say this? Our lives are so busy, and, uh, and, and we, our lives are busy with good stuff, okay? Let's just be honest. Most of it is, is good stuff. But I think our lives are so busy with good stuff that a lot of times we miss the best things in life. We miss the best stuff. Right? We just get busy and we don't have time. And some of us, the, our issue is we just aren't good at communicating with God. You guys ever try to pray for like a certain amount of time, like 30 minutes or something, 20, 30 minutes? You guys ever just try to do that? Um, once Nobody? Okay. The, uh, that's, listen to what we're about to talk about today because that might help you. But uh, sometimes I'll do this where I'm like, hey, for the next 30 minutes, I'm just going to pray. Sometimes before bed, so, you know, wherever. And, um, and I'll sit there. And I'll, I'll start praying, and I got a list of people that I try to pray for every day. Some of these people are like people in, in, from high school and friends and, and people in my family and just people all over. A lot of these are people that don't know, that I feel like don't have a relationship with God. So I'm praying that that most important thing in their life, that they'll come, come to God. And, um, and so I pray through my list, and then I pray for my family and, and my family members and stuff like that, things that are going on. And then I try to thank God for stuff. And I feel like that usually takes some time. Thank for this. Thanks for the house. Thanks for, you know, I try to get, 
you know, cover all that, which obviously that's impossible. And then I pray for our church, and I pray for people in our church that I know are dealing with stuff, and I pray for our church as a whole, that we come together as a family and reach Tiffin in Seneca County, which is what we're all called to do, and stuff like that. We grow relationships. And then I pray for our entire nation, and then I pray for our entire world. Do you ever do this where you look at the clock and you're like, it's been four minutes. <laughs> I think I've covered everything. Shoot. You know what I mean? I mean, you go slower. I don't know. That happens sometimes where I'm like, man, that didn't take long. Um, see, James, he's trying to get us to understand. He's saying, hey, talking with your creator is a big deal. If you are a Jesus follower, talking with, with God, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. What a privilege, just think about this, what a privilege we have that the God of the universe, who's all-powerful, we can do whatever he wants, that he for some reason cares what we have to say. Like he cares. He wants to hear what we have to say. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to spend time with him. He wants us to ask. I mean, what an awesome thing. Prayer is not supposed to be some last-ditch effort to get something that we want. Like when you're in college and you're taking some exam and you're like, I didn't study for this. And God, help me out here. You know, it's not what prayer is necessarily supposed to be. It's supposed to be spending time with our creator. Prayer is talking with God, uh, with your creator, who happened to give his life for you because you and I are rotten, horrible, sinful, you know, terrible people who rebel against him every day. Okay, that's who we're praying to. And so James is saying, hey, whatever's going on, whatever is going on in your life, whether it's bad, whether it's good, it doesn't matter, bring it to God because you should be spending time on a daily basis with God. And here he starts wide, talking about all the circumstances, good circumstances, bad circumstances, it doesn't matter. And then in the next verse, he's gonna narrow it to a specific situation. He says in verse 14, he says, hey, is anyone among, or anyone among you sick? He said, well, you should call the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so he, he goes here, and we're going we're gonna to spend some time on this verse. But, uh, but he provides a specific example of suffering, which is sick, right? We all get sick, something we all um, deal with. It's interesting that he chooses this, in my opinion, because, again, a lot of these people that he's writing to have horrible, horrible stuff going on in their life, okay? I mean, just they're getting drugged to jail. It's just... People are getting killed. It's just all this stuff. And James doesn't pick any of their situations. James uh, really picks a, a, a type of suffering that we all deal with. Every single one of us in here, we've all been sick, okay? We've all dealt with that suffering in that way. Um, I remember in 2013, I... Um, there was, it was like the 200-year anniversary of the War of 1812 and Commodore Perry and his... The Battle of Lake Erie. That, you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right. So that happened in 2013. It was a 200th year anniversary. Big deal um, up at the lake. And out by Putin Bay, they had a bunch of, like, tall ships with, like, sails and stuff. Like, that would be from that era. And cannons. And they were doing a, a naval war reenactment out, like, in the bay. Like, right where it kind of happened. Out, right out past Putin Bay. And so... I, uh, we had some people in our church that said, hey, we got a boat. You guys want to go watch? And Kate and I we were like, yeah, let's go. And so we jump in. I remember the lady, she came up to me. She's like, hey, you want to take this? You should probably take this pill. It's for seasickness. And I'm like, dude, no way. I don't get seasick. No, that's not. I'm in my 20s. I'm a young, you know, fit guy. I'm not getting seasick. 
I've never, this never happened to me before. And so I said, no. And we get out there. The water's a little choppy that day, and there's just thousands of boats all over the place watching these giant, by the way, a naval war reenactment. Never go watch one. It's stupid, okay? You can't see what's going on. It's not like, like if ships were sinking, that would be a lot better, but that's not what's happening. You know, so you got these old ships. There's some, like, cannon fire, but you don't know where they're pointed at. You can't see who they're shooting at. You don't even know what ships are American and, you know, in this case, British. Like, you don't know who's on whose side. It's just all these ships, and you can't get close, and then you're constantly bobbing up and down while you're watching. It's just horrible. Maybe from the air it would be better. I don't know, but don't do it. That's my advice to you, and that was free, and you owe me big. So... We're out there, and it's a little choppy, and my stomach starts to, like, feel weird. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. I'm hungry. So I go eat a sandwich. Bad move. Shouldn't have done that. That didn't help. And it didn't take long. We were out there for maybe 15 minutes, and I just start puking. I'm puking all over the place. I'm puking over the edge. Not on the boat. I'm puking over the edge of the boat. And at first, you have, like, a little dignity, you know? So it's like, oh, I got to puke. Hey, don't look at me, you know? And you go to the edge of the boat where there's not another boat like sitting 10 feet away from you, just right there where everybody's watching. You kind of go where you feel like you kind of got, that boat's 30 feet away, so I have some privacy, you know? And so I'm like puking. But after like 30 minutes of that, you don't care. Like you don't care who's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. And I remember um, at one point, I got my head over the side. I'm just like laying over the side of the boat, just puking. I don't have anything else to puke. It's just, but you're like driving and and I remember the water came up, and my whole head was under the water as I was puking, okay? <laughs> not a great, like, it's just not great. So talk about suffering. is terrible. Anyway, that reenactment lasted six hours. And I was sick as a dog for every single one of those. Um, we've all been there in the sense of we've all been sick. We've all suffered that way. And so James, he's saying, man, when suffering happens... Like, like it's, it's tough. He's saying when suffering happens, the first thing you need to do is, number one, as an individual, you need to go to God. That's what you got to do. But number two, he's saying there's a, there's a community aspect to this. Okay, there's a, there's a community thing here. And, and what you got to do is you need to call in your church family and ask them to pray for you too. So you're not supposed to be suffering alone on some island where it's just like just you and God and nobody else, nobody else knows what's going on. No, no. You are also to get your church family as well. And they are to share in suffering. That's what, that's what we as the church are supposed to do. Okay? Paul mentions that when one suffers, we all suffer in, in that sense. And that's one of the reasons why we go to church. I, I talk to people, not often, but once in a while where they're like, well, you know, I don't go to church, but... Uh, but I, I, I listen to podcasts, and so, you know, that's kind of like my church. Or I watch online, or some people are like, I don't need church. They got kind of an attitude against it. I don't know what the deal is. But it's like, I don't need church. I do my own thing. Yep, I got my own thing going on. I worship God my own way. Don't need church. Or, uh, or some people are like, you know, I, I've been reading a book, and, you know, that, that's kind of my church. And, and it's, like, it's like sometimes we got to understand church is God's idea. Okay, Jesus started the church, not me, not anybody else, not any pastor or anything like that. It was Jesus. So this is God's thing. And really what the church is, it's supposed to be a community of believers that we come together and we worship God together. We pray for each other. We spend time with each other. We build up each other's, you know, we build up relationships with each other and we hear God's word. All right. We learn together. That's what the church is. That's the simplest form. Churches nowadays have gotten so you know, past that, like beyond that. We need to get, kind of get back to our roots 
and what the church is. Um, it's God's thing. And we're supposed to be a part of a good local church. By the way, that doesn't mean that you just attend, right? That you just come in here and you sit in the same seat every week and you, you say hi to the same people, you smile at the same people, and then you get up and you walk away and you don't come back till next week. That's not, that's not what church is supposed to be. There's an involvement aspect that's a part of church that you guys, you know, we're all supposed to be involved, making relationships with each other. Because guess what? When you go through a hard time in your life, that book that you're reading, it ain't going to pray for you. When you're going through a hard time in your life, that podcast that you're listening to, it's not going to be there for you. See, we should be a part of a community. Now, let's dissect this verse a little bit. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church. Now, now what's going on here? Who are the elders of the church? Who specifically are they? The, the literal word for elders in the Greek language, it, how do I say this nicely? Um, it means advanced in age, okay? Or life, uh, you're advanced in, in life. That's what, that's what it means. Um, and so in, in one sense, it's almost like he's saying, hey, you need to go find an old person and get them to pray for you, okay? That's, that's what you need to do. But we also see in the, in, the, in the New Testament that this word for elders is also used as someone who oversees a local church. And these aren't two separate ideas. These, are, these usually overlapped, okay? Usually when someone was overseeing a church, it would be somebody who was an older, older person who is more advanced in age. It didn't happen all the time in the New Testament. We see Timothy, he's a young guy, and he's a pastor of the church. Uh, but that's usually how it was. So it's not two conflicting ideas. It's just this is how it normally it normally was. Uh, here at Grace, uh, at our Tiffin campus, um, we have staff that do the role of an elder or an overseer here at, uh, here, here at Tiffin. And we happen to be mostly young. You know, all, me, Blaine, and, and AJ, uh, we're, we're young. But, uh, but that's kind of the role that we, that we play. But we also, here at, here at Grace, have a group of mature believers who happen to be mostly older, ironically, um, who of, of people who provide spiritual oversight to our church as a whole. We got John Sutton right back here on the back row. He's actually one of, he's on our elder board, okay? He's one of our, what we call elders. They look over kind of what's going on in a spiritual aspect. And see, James, he's saying, hey, what you got to do is you need to go to the leaders of the church and you need to let them know what's up. You need to let them know what's going on with you. If you're suffering, it's not just supposed to be you. It's supposed to be you and the church, and you got to let somebody know. Now, if you're like me, like, I, I'll be honest, um, as I was reading this this week, I'm like, oh, okay. So, because I'm always trying to figure out, so what's this mean for my life? And um, I am not good at asking people to pray for me. Like, it's just not something I don't even remember the last time I do. God's kind of pointing that out to me. Uh, th- this is on us. Like, when something's going on in our life, we need to let people around us know not so they can go tell everybody and gossip and do, and do this. No, it's so that they can pray for you. So they can pray. Then he mentions, he says, hey, you should call on the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him or that person, anointing him with the oil, with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, what the heck does that mean? Scholars actually disagree on this slightly. It's basically the same thing, but they, they disagree on this slightly. Uh, some people say anointing him with oil, what they're talking about is they need to administer medicine to this guy. And usually, which is true, uh, back, in the, back in these times, 
they used oil for medicine all the time, like a lot. Like that was one of their main things. And so uh, some people would say that. Some people would say, well, no, this is a metaphorical sense, meaning, meaning um, you know, it's just a symbol for these elders are, these church people are encouraging this person and, and praying for this person and trying to help them get through whatever suffering it might be. Other people would say, well, you know, this is a, scholars would say, this is a reference to the ceremonial anointing from the Old Testament that we see. And what was that really? Well, that was just a symbol of kind of God's blessing on, on someone's life. See, no matter what, this is a symbol of our faith that God can do something about the issue that's going on in our life. It's a symbol to show that, hey, we are praying for you, and we're watching over you, and, and, and we're on your side. We, we got your back. Now, we as a church, uh, we do this once in a while, actually. And, uh, and sometimes someone who's really, really, really sick, they're going through something that's a big deal, they'll come in and they'll say, hey, not only do uh, we want you to pray for, you know, not only do I want you to pray for me, uh, but I want you to, to anoint me with oil, which is fine, okay? It doesn't happen often, that's fine. But the thing we got to understand is that it's the praying that does something, not the oil. That's just a symbol that James is mentioning here. But it's the praying that matters, it's going before our creator and asking him. That's what God wants us to do. See, focus in here. He's saying, hey, the normal rhythm of life, your normal rhythm of life, you should be in constant contact with your creator, okay? But then when something especially hard hits your life, which happens to us all, like we've all experienced that, he's saying you need to invite the community into that. Like you need to invite the church family into that as well so that they can pray for you. That's how Christians are supposed to live their life. And when you invite the church family in, the next verse says, the prayer of faith will save that sick person. Now, what's the prayer of faith? Is that some mystical, magical prayer? You know, what's that? I want to know that one, you know. Oh, where, where can I find that in the Bible? No, the prayer of faith is basically what he's doing is he's connecting faith with prayer. Because think about it. Faith is what connects a person to God. Right? I mean, that's, that's like where it all starts. It's that trust in God that connects us to God. Uh, prayer and faith, they, they go together. Like, why would you ever pray to a God that you have no faith in? Why would you ever pray to a God that you have no trust in that he could, that he could save you or do anything about it? Like, I would never pray to this TV because I know, you know, I have no trust in that TV can, can do anything for me or can even hear me. Although some TVs can hear you now. But, uh, but you know, I, 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 that, that's how it works. See, he's saying again, it's the praying to God that will save the person, not the, not the oil. <laughs> All right? He says, the prayer of faith, that will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, it almost sounds like what James is doing is he's just connecting our spiritual lives with our physical issues. So what's he saying here? Is he saying, you know, if we sin, God punishes us with sickness, or if we're really sick, that must be because we did something really, really wrong. I get this question sometimes. Sometimes people ask, they'll say, hey, wh what did I do to deserve this? Or sometimes people ask, like, hey, I'm really sick, or I got this, I got this thing going on in my life that's, that's really bad. Like, is God punishing me for something that I did a long time ago? Is that, what, is that what's going on? And my answer to that is probably not. Most likely, no. See, we see you in the story of Job. Actually, AJ mentioned this last week, and we actually went through the whole book a few months ago. But, uh, um, but it's wrong for us to assume that our suffering is punishment. 
Like we can't, if we're suffering in our life, it's wrong for us to go, you know what, I'm being punished for this, 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 this. this uh, that's not how it works. We see this even in Jesus' day. When Jesus, his disciples come up to him, they see they're out in the streets doing their thing, and the disciples point to a blind man, and he's, he's sitting over there, and they're like, hey, so who sinned? Like, is this, is it him? Did he do it? Or was it his parents? All right, did they do it? And Jesus is like, neither. That's not how it works. All right, neither of these, that's, that's not what's going on. God has his own reasons for doing things. And just because we suffer, just because we're sick, that doesn't mean that God is, like, mad at us. All right, we got to get that through. We got to understand that. But then on the flip side, we also know that God does punish us, right? In fact, God promises. He says, hey, I punish the ones that I love. I punish you because I, because I love you. And so sometimes he can do that through physical sickness. Like, we can't limit God that way. But when we're going through something, we can't connect it with, hey, this is because I did that wrong thing. And that's really not even James's point. Notice, by the way, the word if. He says, if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. See, we should pray to God that he would heal those in our community. We get that. That, that, that makes sense. But, and if there are sin issues, like if there is a sin issue, then those should also be taken care of too. Like we should point that out to them too. We should pray for them about that too. He's not saying if you're sick, then this because you did something wrong. He's saying, no, no, no. If you're sick, that's one thing. But also, if you've done anything wrong or you got some sin issue in your heart that you haven't yet taken care of with God, he's saying that needs to be taken care of too. See, when we come together as a family or as a community to pray, it shouldn't just be a physical thing. We should also pray for that person's uh, spirituality or their relationship with God as well. This is something I've been wrestling with now for kind of a couple years is uh, every Wednesday morning, as most of you know, we go through and we pray through every single one of your prayer requests that you write down on the back of your card. By the way, we do that not because our prayers are better than yours, okay? They're not. We're, I'm a sinful person just like you. Um, we do that because we want to pray for you, okay? And so on Wednesday mornings, we do that, but sometimes you get some requests, and I'm not trying to make fun of anybody or offend anybody with this. I'm just using this as an example. But sometimes somebody will, will write in something like, my cat is sick, you know, pray for that. Not saying it's wrong to pray for your cat. Not wrong at all. But for me, I'm going, man, there's so much more important things that I could pray for for this person, but I'm praying for, the, for his cat, you know? And so what I've started doing, and this could go even to more important stuff, like, hey, I got cancer or whatever it might be. And so what I've started doing is, as I pray through every single week, I'm like, hey, you know, heal this person's cat or, or heal this person's cancer or this person lost their job and they're suffering in that sense. Like, take care of that situation, God. But more importantly, God, use this terrible situation in their life to bring them closer to you because that's what matters the most. You know, that's what we should be praying about. It's a spiritual aspect, and James is bringing that up. He's like, yeah, yeah, pray for them physically, but also don't forget about the spiritual thing. Don't forget about the relationship with God, because that matters too. In the next verse, he says, therefore, guys, confess your sins to one another. You guys, need to let you, guys, you guys need to let each other know what's going on in your life and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Now, it sounds like, almost, when, when we read this, it sounds like a promise. Right? Like our natural question should be as we read this verse, like, okay, so what if he doesn't heal me? 
You know, what's, what's going on here? What if he doesn't heal my friend? Because I've been praying for my friend. Like, is God lying? Is he not telling the truth? Or, or some people, they say, well, you know what? The problem is you just didn't have enough faith. And so you didn't have enough faith or they didn't have enough faith. So it's really, so it really your fault. But the context of what James is saying here is he's saying, hey, it, you know, it really needs to be connected with what A.J. talked about last week, which was we need to be praying for God's will to be done in our life. Like, think about it. Everything that we pray should be. Hey, God, if it's your will, I'd appreciate it if you did this. Right? If it's part of your plan, if you're, you are okay, like, it should be, hey, God, you first and then me. God, please do this, but let your will be done. See, James, he's already taught us to pray that way, and that carries over into what he's saying here. See, most of us, this is what we do. We measure... The quality of our life, as Americans at least, in our culture, by comfort. That's what we do. And, oh, I'm not comfortable, or, or oh, this needs to be better. It's, by the way, it's very me-centered. We, we all do this. We all struggle with this. Um, we're very me-centered instead of God-centered, even when we pray. See, ultimately, we need to understand that it's not about us. It's not about us. It's, it's not about us at all. Sometimes, you know, God says no. And you know why God says no sometimes? Sometimes it's actually in our best interest that God says no. We just don't know what we're talking about. You know, we don't even know what we're asking for half the time or what the implications are. And God, he knows everything. He's like, no, no, no. I don't want to give you what you're asking for because that's not best for you. We see this with Paul. Paul in his life, he, the apostle Paul, he's like um, the best Christian maybe to have ever lived or, you know, whatever. Paul, he... At one point in his ministry, he's, he's doing his things, going from town to town, telling people about Jesus, and he gets this, like, sickness. He calls it a, a thorn in his side. He's like, it just hurt, and he's got this thing going on with his body, and he's in, like, physical pain. And Paul, he asked God three different times, hey, God, you take this away from me. Like, God, think about all the stuff I could do. I could do so much more for you if you would take this away from me. And God's like, no. He didn't, give, he didn't even give Paul an explanation. He didn't say, no, here's my plan, Paul, this and this and this and this. He doesn't do that. He just says, no. See, James isn't saying, hey, if you get enough people together in the church, you get enough old people especially together in the church, and you have them pray, you can kind of boss God around. It's awesome. That's not what he's, it's not what he's saying. See, our attitude should be, hey, I really want to be relieved of this suffering, whatever's going on in my, on my, in my life, but God, really, whatever you want, like, if, if you got some plan that I don't know about, I'm, I'm good with that. I'll handle it. See, that should be our attitude. And then he says, one of the coolest things in the entire Bible, I think, he says, by the way, the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. He says, hey, you're living life right. You got a rela good relationship with God, and you're really working on that relationship with God. Guess what? God's listening to you. He takes what you have to say into account. Like he's interested in it. He says in the next verse, he gives us an example. I think part of our issue is, is we don't, we're not bold when we pray. Like we're not bold enough. Here he gives us an example. He's like, remember Elijah? Right? Elijah, he was a, a prophet that we see in the Old Testament. By the way, a prophet is 
sounds super churchy, uh, but uh, a prophet's basically just a person that God goes to. He was like God's messenger, and so it could have been a, a man or a woman, and uh, God would go to this person and say, hey, I want you to tell this group of people this. And so this person would say, okay, got your message, God. You go over to this group of people and say, hey, God says this. Pretty simple. We good? We got this? Okay. All right. Um, take what I can get. So Elijah is one of these Old Testament prophets. And so James is bringing that up. He said, hey, remember Elijah? Elijah was a prophet, sure, but he was a human being just as we are. He's like, hey, he was, he was like us. Like he was messed up. He, he had bad attitudes sometimes. If you read it, you'll know. All right? he, he, he struggled with sin. He had some issues just like we do. And he struggled with the same things. And he said, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, guess what? It did not rain on the land. James is reminding us this. He says, then remember what happened? He prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. You guys remember this Old Testament story? It's a, it's a great story, really. Uh, you got this, this guy named Elijah. Israel was so bad that, uh, that Elijah decided to pray. He's like, hey, I'm going to pray that, uh, that um, God will it'll stop raining. Okay, that's a bold prayer, by the way, to say, hey, God, um, please help the rain to stop and not start until I say. Right? Like, this we all agree on that? It's pretty bold. Okay. And so he does that. And really, I think the, the meaning behind this is, have you ever noticed in your life, when life's going good, we kind of ignore God. But when life goes bad, that's when we come running back to God. Okay? That, we see that in Israel's history all the time. God would allow something bad happen to them, and they would come running back to God. And so this is one of those things. So it doesn't rain on the land for three and a half years. And in about three and a half years, um, Elijah, he actually calls up the, the king, and he says, hey, you bring your, all your, your prophets to your fake god, which was Baal, and why don't you bring them up to this hill called Mount Carmel, and we're going to have this showdown and bring all of Israel. Let's, let's bring everybody to come watch. And I wish I could get into the story because it's such a good story. But I can't because we're out of time. And so he, uh, he does this. They have this big showdown where God basically proves to the Israelite people that he is real in a big way. You should go read that sometimes. I think it's 1, Corinthians, or 1 Kings chapter 18. Anyway, so he does that. And, uh, and all the people kind of go away. And then Elijah's like, all right, it's time for the rain. And so he gets down on his knees and he begins to pray to God that it would start raining. He grabs one of his buddies and he's like, hey. Why don't you go over there, look out towards the Mediterranean Sea. You can see they're on top of this hill. You can see for a far, long way. And he's like, tell me if you see the rain coming. And so the guy comes back. He's like, I don't see no cloud. Like, there's not even a cloud in the sky. And Elijah's like, shoot, okay. got to pray again. So he prays again. He sends, sends this guy back. Guy comes back. He's like, nothing. Ain't no rain. And Elijah's like, all right, got to pray harder. You know? And he prayed. He does this seven times. On the seventh time, the guy comes back, he's like, all right, so I think there's a cloud in the sky. Like, if you put your hand like this, I can see a cloud about the size of my hand way off in the distance over the Mediterranean Sea. And Elijah's like, oh, that's it. All right, bring the rain. The rain's coming. You better find some shelter. You better watch out. And Elijah takes off. And, uh, and, and sure enough, it rains. And so James is pointing back to this story saying, hey, you need to pray more boldly. Look what Elijah did. He was a guy like you and me. It's crazy. See, God is encouraging you and me this morning to pray bold prayers, to boldly ask God. Now, many of us, man, we got some lame, wimpy prayers. 
okay? Like, that's, that's an issue. Um, like, God, help my day to go good. What's that even mean? You know, this is the kind of, this kind of prayers that we pray. Some of us, we just got wimpy prayers. Others of us, is memorized prayers because maybe we were Catholic or something before. We have all these prayers that are memorized from some dude from 500 to 1,000 years ago. Those aren't even your prayers. You're praying something else, some, what somebody else came up. You know, actually, the Bible, interestingly enough, warns us against that. It says, hey, you shouldn't have just like flippant, repetitive prayers. They're all the same. It's not how it's supposed to be. He wants it from your heart. Right? Most of us, all of our prayers are me-centered prayers. Where it's, hey, God, yeah, 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 um, I know you're up there. Hey, keep me safe. Change my circumstances the way I want. Watch over my kids. Make me happy. It's all this stuff. You know, we just, it's just all about us. I was talking with one of the other pastors this week, and he was saying, we're, we're talking about this because this is kind of a hard passage, and we're going through this. And, and you know, we were just, like, realizing. We're like, you know what? I, like, for me personally, I got a lot of questions for God when I get to heaven. Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? That type of thing. I think sometimes I'm going to ask God if I have that opportunity, which I hope I do, to say, hey, God, oh, you know, why didn't you do this and this and this and this? And I think sometimes God's going to be like, you didn't ask. You didn't ask for that. So it didn't happen. See, your prayer, man, it could change stuff. James is saying it's very powerful. And James is telling us to pray boldly. See, some of you guys, I know how it is. You feel like God is distant. But maybe that's because you're following God at a distance. Or maybe it's not him. Maybe it's you. You don't talk to him unless you really need something urgent. <laughs> you don't spend time with him. I mean, sure, you care about God and you believe in God. And you're here at church this morning, so that's good. You know, but... Uh, but you don't give God your time. And we don't care that much. See, James is telling us three things today. Number one, he's saying, whatever's going on in your life, doesn't matter. If it's good, bad, doesn't, doesn't matter. You need to spend, be spending time with your God. You need to be spending time with your creator who cares more about you than you could ever know. Individual thing. But number two, he's saying, it's not just individual it's a corporate thing as a church family. We together need to be spending time with God. We should be praying for each other, and we should be telling how other people can pray for us. He says, and then when we pray, both individually and corporately, he said, man, you better pray some bold prayers. Like you could change stuff. God will change stuff through your prayers. Sometimes all we have to do is ask. And I think that's a really good way for James to end his letter. And I think that's a really great way for us to end our series. Man, pray. Spend some time talking with God. Let's, uh, let's pray together real quick. You know, this morning. Um, God, we thank you for this church family. This was your idea. You brought us together. Um, we didn't really have anything to do with it in that sense, and, and we thank you for that. And God, we ask that together that we would pray some bold prayers, that, you, that we would pray for each other, we would pray for our church, we would pray for our community and for our city and for our county and for our neighbors and, and just everything. God, we ask that, that you would help us to spend more time with you and spend more time praying. 
God, we ask that you would help us to spend more time with you and spend more time praying on an individual basis at our homes, at work, in our car, wherever that might be. Help us to spend time with you, quality time with you. And God, we ask that you'd help us to pray boldly. In Jesus' name, amen.